It's a pleasure, a privilege, and an honor to be here. And it's a privilege and an honor to teach Rabbi Nachman's teachings. Always begin teaching Rabbi Nachman with a prayer that Hashem should help us uh, be mechaven, intent to the truth, hone in on the truth. And we shouldn't budge one millimeter, one iota, one degree to the right or to the left of the truth and Rabbi Nachman's teachings and the truth of what Hashem wants from us. And this is all what we said in the first lesson. Rabbi Nachman's teachings of the Torah of Amuna. What's the Torah of Amuna? Simply Amuna, not just faith in Hashem, but to bring us all closer to Hashem, whoever we are, wherever we are, and in the world. Now, what we'll do, uh, by the way, uh, Rabbi Wolby and I are graduates of the same rabbinical seminary. We have the same rabbi. We have learned the same thing. Our, our beloved rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, I'm going to say a word of honor to Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz for, for raising us, being our, our spiritual father. And, uh, Hashem, in his honor, we also we also say lesson. But one thing Rabbi Berkowitz always taught us that the biggest evil inclination in learning is not to review what you learn, because in order if you could talk to a educational psychologist, the more you review, the more you retain. And to take these beautiful uh, platinum gold coins of wisdom, pearls of wisdom, Rabbi Nachman. And learning that just once, they, they slip out of your finger. It's like you're having a hole in your pocket and you slip them out. So what we'll usually do is every lesson, uh, we will begin with a review, uh, an eight-minute review of last week's lesson so that everybody will be on the same page because Rabbi Nachman's Torah are like built as like bricks and a building, one, one row of bricks, another row of bricks, and you can't build a row of bricks in the air. So if anyone happened to miss a lesson, you can always... Uh, see on the on our WhatsApp group, uh, Rabbi Wolby posts the the links to the reviews. You can see it on 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 the torches media. You can see it on the Amuna Beams media wherever you want. So you can always go back and review a lesson whenever you like. And we strongly encourage to review whether whatever form you, you like the audio or the video or both, whatever you like. Okay. So with the Shem's loving grace, we're now in our third lesson of Likute Moan. Last week. You learned I'm going to review it very quickly. Once I review it in, in Hebrew, for me, then it puts it in my mind. It's easier to say because I have Rabbi Nachman's original words in front of my eyes. We said that the Israelite, what's an Israelite? A person that not just desire, but born, he's born Jewish. But an Israelite is someone that desires the Torah of Israel, desires to get close to the God of Israel. And this is this is now this is a cut above the rest. It's not a person that eats corned beef sandwiches or bagel and locks on Sunday morning. No, this is somebody that desires Hashem's wisdom. And so, if someone desires Hashem's wisdom, person has to seek Hashem's wisdom. How does one seek Hashem's wisdom? King David says in Psalms, Kulam the Chachma Asisa. Hashem, you created everything with Chachma. Chachma is wisdom. Chachma is also, when we learn that 10 spheres, Chachma is the highest of the, the, the 10 spheres. Chachma, Bina, and Dots. Okay, there's the three intellectual spheres. Then there's the seven lower spheres. Chachma is wisdom. This is the highest sphere. The only thing higher than Chachma is the crown, the Keter. Okay, this we don't have no idea about. But this is the highest sphere. This is the sphere of creation. This is fear we can't see. We can't even realize. We don't understand. We don't understand Chachma because Chachma is divine wisdom. And to order understand divine wisdom, have to be divine. Now, why did the Almighty make divine wisdom divine wisdom? Say, you're going to uh, Father in heaven, how come you're not like a good teacher? Now, you've had your master's in education. You have to reduce yourself and, and bring yourself down what we call tzimtzum in Kabbalah. Constrict yourself to the spiritual level of your student and say things that we can understand. But that's not what that's not what the Almighty wants. The Almighty has divine wisdom, and he does things in divine wisdom, and he gives things of problems we will see later in today's lesson about how darkness is really divine wisdom. We look at darkness and we would discover the light within the darkness as divine wisdom because the Almighty does it that way. So we'll have to learn emuna. Everything is designed for emuna, emuna, emuna. And that's why we all the time focus even our lessons in Likutim Aran is to find Rabbi Nachman's Torah is the Torah of emuna. 
and it's Torah, bring it close to Shem. Rabbi Nachman is not giving us uh, living room intellectual philosophy, and it's not coffee house philosophy. It's philosophy to bring us closer to the Almighty, to get us closer to, closer to Shem. So in order to get close to Shem, Rabbi Nachman tells us, we have to look at the divine wisdom. What is it? Where do we find the divine wisdom? We have to look at the in, innermost thing. If we're talking about a human, you don't look at a person, the color of a person's eyes or a person's hairdo or the clothes they're wearing. It's all superficial. That is not the person because you could change a hairdo and you could change the glasses and you could change the clothes, but you can't change the soul. That's the divine wisdom. The soul inside is that tiny spark. And another we lost last week, another term for divine wisdom, that's the soul, the life force. That's the chius, what we call chius, the life force. The difference between a live body, dead body is a soul. <laughs> dead body's got uh, 10 fingers and 10 toes and, and a head, but, but it's got no, li- no livelihood. So this is what we, someone is 100% bodily oriented and 100% bodily lust. And he doesn't look, we'll soon see the difference between Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, Jacob was spiritually oriented. Jacob looked for the soul. A, such a person is bodily oriented is spiritually dead because it does in the body and the soul are all the time at war. Okay, so in order to get close to the Almighty, we have to look at the innermost dimension. What's the innermost dimension? That is the divine light of wisdom. And that is the wisdom that instilled in every creation. We say there are four levels of creation. The lowest level of creation is the mineral level of creation, like the, 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 the sand and the sea and the rocks. And then the next level of creation is the plant level of creation. And then the third level of creation is the animal, the insects, the fish, the birds, okay, that we call the animal kingdom. And the highest level of creation is human, okay? The animals and any other, every creation has on its own level a basic vital soul. This basic vital soul, even in a rock. The Baal Shem Tov teaches us that sometimes a person uh, that did something wrong, and he could he could get a, a second go round and is to soul be trapped in a rock. Uh, the Chafetz Chaim teaches a person that slanders can get the the, the second go round, be reincarnated in a dog. The, the reincarnation is very much of what we believe in that. Okay, and this is the Arizal writes right in Kabbalah. This is uh, Shalag Gilgalim. It's the eighth volume of the Arizal in the fifteen volumes of Kabbalah. Okay, so we see the soul is the vitality of every creation. So when I look at a rock. I don't look at the just outside a rock and you know what what minerals in it. Look at the inside. Look at the inside. It's a quartz crystal. Wait, maybe look at the symmetry of a, a crystal. Is it it's symmetric? Is it asymmetric? Look at everything we mentioned last week about the wisdom of learning from an ant. King Solomon told the lazy person, "Go look at an ant. Go look at that. You want to learn industrious to be able to be industrious? Go look at an ant." We also learn in our uh, in our Amun hour lesson we we're talking about the Noahide law that prohibits theft, you look at an ant, but ants never steal, never steal. Ant will will not touch a grain that was touched previously, but prior by another ant, that belongs to the other ant. He put his mark of possession on it, and ant, it won't touch, ants won't steal, and they're very honest. Okay, so we've learned that we have to look for the wisdom in every little thing. Then we learn that the wisdom is a tremendous light. Rabbi Nachman says, Ki ol gadol, What's the advantage of the wisdom being such a tremendous light? You know what that divine wisdom within you, that divine wisdom is your soul. And that soul is a blinding light. So the more you get to know your own soul, which is a tiny part of the Almighty, getting close to Hashem means getting close to yourself. People have no idea about who they are. You know, people have the identity crisis, you know, who am I? What am I? Am I my body? Am I a soul? Uh, we asked that question in our book, uh, Path to Your Peak. I suggest you read it. Uh, but the body is here 70, 80, 90, 100, 110 years. That's not many people make it past 110. Okay. And look how intricate the body is. And it's in so many of the eyes. NASA doesn't have a camera as intricate as the human eyes. That is it logical that the creator create this fantastic body and put it on the earth for a 80, 90, 100, 110 year go round, and then, and then put it in the, deposit it in the nearest, the nearest graveyard. <laughs> and it turns back to, to NP and K 
nitrogen, phosphorus, and then it's all for fertilizer. Does that make sense? That doesn't make any sense. And that's why people are depressed because when they think that their life is a body, every day is a day closer to their funeral. That is depressing. Ooh, but here's the good news. Rabbi Nachman says that that divine light within you is a blinding light. Why is it blinding light? Because it's divine light. You know, the divine light is blinding. Moses, we see this in the Torah. Moses went up Mount Sinai and Moses met Hashem face to face. Moses came down from Mount Sinai and nobody could look at him. Moses didn't realize because he was 40 days, 40 days. He couldn't feel himself. He had, he and Moses did not eat. What's the connection of Moses not eating and Moses not drinking? And then he comes down, his face is a blinding light. His face shone like the sun. And he had to put a veil on his face, a really thick veil, because he was blinding people. People, they couldn't look at him. It was like the sun. And then when Moses would go into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, he would remove the veil. Because this is the, we talk to Hashem, the, the divine, this divine light. So where do you get that from? Moses so overcame physical limitations. He was so soul oriented, so spiritual oriented that this light shone within and he created himself as a suitable vessel for more divine light. We mentioned last week that the Almighty is not doing you a favor by giving you, let's say, a thousand watts of spirituality if you're only a 40 watt light bulb because a thousand watts after to 40 light bulb, light bulb it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode so the almighty doesn't want to do that doesn't want to do that that's why he gives us difficulties and we look what is Sam doing our life he gives us difficulties he gives us difficulties because the difficulties create a stronger spiritual vessel just like in in, in weightlifting weightlifting is called resistance training because the way to build a stronger body is with resistance. The same thing goes with the soul. People are looking for chocolate milk and chocolate ice cream lives. It doesn't work like that if you want to get close to Shem. And if a person aspires to, to live forever, because the more you become soul-oriented, the more you focus on this divine light and you focus on your soul, the more you live forever, because that part never dies. That's a part of the Almighty. That's the divine spark of the Almighty. And when your soul goes back upstairs, and this is the, the light that goes back up, the light, the light's right at home. That, that's it. And, and that's, that's our life force. Our life force is not our hands, and it's not our Helena Rubinstein, not our Estee Lauder, and not our Gillette. Okay? And it's not our Botany 500 suit, and certainly not our Rolex watch. Okay? Whatever. It's the life force. It's that, that, that light that shines from your eyes. It shines from your forehead. The, the, the more you refine yourself, the more you reflect divine light. And when you reflect divine light, you really become charismatic. And maybe charismatic people don't understand. If people don't look for the divine light, you might not be charismatic to them. But all of a sudden, things are done for you. You become charismatic to, to all the angels. You become charismatic to Hashem because you resemble Hashem more. All right. So this is uh, someone that connects himself to that bright light. All right. Now, that bright light, in turn, the more you connect it, Rabbi Nachman says, Asechel, Ogadol, the Kedeshia, Ilu Asechel. Okay, that, that bright light, which is your divine wisdom that is instilled with you, within you, and that's your soul, that is going to illuminate your path and everything you do. Okay, so the more a person connects himself, not only when you connect to your own soul, when you connect to a wisdom, you look at that ant and you say that ant is industrious. And I see what the, what the, the ant, you, you look at the ant, the ant's going to live for six months, but the ant will gather food for 160 years. The ant has trust in Hashem. He believes he's going to live. He keeps on working all the time. Now you're connecting to the vine wisdom of an ant. Wow. So what will happen is something, you know, low order of creation as an ant. When you succeed in the, finding the divine wisdom, the person that looks, okay, by the body of the ant, the body of the ant is in my kitchen, and ant making a mess, and the dirty thing, and I'm going to step on him, and I'm going to take the, the K400 bug spray, and I'm going to spray him. Okay. You don't want ants in your pantry, sure. But if you're outside, and an ant in the hill, stop and take a look. Are you reading a book about the insects? Let's, let's see what's, what's the divine wisdom within that. And once we connect that divine wisdom, 
then the divine wisdom of an ant will illuminate our brain. Our brain becomes brighter illuminated because we now, by way of an ant, I'm, I'm using really a mundane example to show you it's even higher and higher and higher and higher. So when we learned on Amuna book, connect to the divine wisdom in that Amuna book, we're talking about that connect to the divine wisdom in an ant, it's going to bring a person closer to Hashem. Now you didn't look at uh, divine wisdom. If someone wants to learn about marital peace, look at the lives of two turtle doves. Two turtle doves that they, they have, they, they're born together, they grew up together, they married together, they're so loyal. And if one dove dies, the other dove is going to live very long. And they are monogamous. They will never mate with another dove. Finished. Finished. So wait a second. We're humans. They're, they're, they're birds. And look at them. They're birds. And it should be less than that. Okay. This is, this is connecting to the divine wisdom of a dove or a pigeon. And, and, and it's amazing. When, when you're used to this, this is a, King David was perfect in this. This enabled King David to write the song of creation, Perik Shira, because he so looked at the divine wisdom. Rabbi Nachman's great-grandfather, the Baal Shem Tov, he looked at the divine wisdom everything. He could tell you why a certain leaf on the tree was falling at this particular moment. This is the, this was the power of the Baal Shem Tov. So we connected that divine wisdom. Once we connected that divine wisdom, that divine wisdom, which is a tremendous light, it illuminates our own lives. And then what happens when it illuminates our own lives? Uh, Ecclesiastes says, Chachmas Adam Ta'il Panov. That a person's wisdom illuminates his countenance. So see, a person has an illuminated countenance. This means that his countenance is reflecting that divine wisdom. And this is what we see in extreme when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. It's right in the Torah. That Moses was blinding. People couldn't even look at him. It was so obvious because he was right face to face with the Almighty. Okay, so now we continue on. We continue on. We say this is an aspect of Jacob. We see all the time the Torah in Genesis juxtaposes Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, they were twins. Jacob and Esau is actually a Torah's metaphor. You say, well, you know what? This is a story from uh, 3,800 years ago. No, no, no. True today. Because we have our evil. Everyone has an evil inclination. Everyone has an evil inclination that tempts them. What's the evil inclination? Evil inclination is spiritual, it's physical gravity. Physical gravity brings you down. The more a person is connected to a body, the more a person suffers from anxiety, from depression, from negative emotions. Now take the same exact person with the same exact tribulations of life and turn into a muna. Ah, this Hashem bring me stronger. So spiritual gravity goes up and up and up. We see example of spiritual gravity in a candle. A candle flickers up. Why didn't that flame fall down? You light a candle in the wick. Okay, it would fall down. The flame doesn't fall down because it's the beginning. It's 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 very sublime physicality. As soon as you get to fire and light, light is even more sublime uh, physicality. And then it crosses the threshold to spirituality. But spirituality has no physicality. But this is showing us. We could see how this acts. We could see how this acts. The flame figures. Then something else happens. Have you ever taken a match or a candle and moved that candle close to a bonfire? The candle becomes nullified. The candle will nullify itself. It doesn't retain its individual characteristic, its individual personality, its individual entity when it's next to a big flame. It nullifies itself to the big flame. And that's exactly what our soul does. The closer it gets to the Almighty, it nullifies itself to the Almighty. And that, beloved brothers and sisters, is the secret that enables the Almighty to transfer more divine light that reflects off our foreheads. Our souls become stronger. They illuminate our lives. And this divine light illuminates our way, illuminates our way in life. And this is the spiritual dynamics upward and upward and upward. And you can have difficulties in life. You can have big time difficulties. And, you know, wait a second. Hashem put me in check. It's not checkmate. I'm checked to the right square, checked to the front square. There's nothing I can do. There's no option I can do right now, but just to thank Hashem for the situation, to pray for Hashem, to hope for Hashem. What King David says, Kavel Hashem, hope for Hashem. So. 
If we look at something from a physical standpoint, it's depressing, brings me down. From a spiritual standpoint, Hashem wants me to be close to him. And if I have, example, got perfect health and perfect income and perfect marriage and perfect children and everything is hunky-dory, okay, and my whole life is Sesame Street, get close to Hashem. How fervent I'm going to pray? How fervent I seek Hashem? How much am I going to want to speak to Hashem? And we know relationships depend on communication. So this is really important. And that's why Rabbi Nachman calls this an aspect of Jacob. Because Jacob, he earned the first right. Esau sold the first the first the born the firstborn, the birthright. He sold the birthright to Jacob. Why did Esau sell the birthright? The birthright, it's not a million dollars in the bank. The birthright is something spiritual because then the birthright was who gets to serve <clears throat> Hashem on the altar. Okay. The first son, the firstborn son was the one that helped make the ritual sacrifice on the altar. Esau said, what do I need that for? I need to help Isaac and then my, my father. I'd rather be out having a bit at a partying and, and dancing with the girls and running other people's wives and, and hunting animals. And Jacob, no. Jacob says, wow, I want that. It's spirituality getting close to Hashem. And that's why Jacob made Esau sell the birthright. And what did he sell it for? So for a, a, a plate full of lentils, a plate full of porridge. Okay, red lentils, red lentils, a bowl of red lentils. Esau, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm tired. He sold his birthright. His right to get closer. The oldest son has, in ancient Israel, the oldest son has a double right to get closer to Hashem. He gets, but then after, after the golden calf, the firstborns were replaced by the Levites because the Levites did not participate in the golden calf. And there were firstborns that did. So the Almighty says, okay, you guys, you've lost your privilege, goes to the Levites. So now we have the Levites. They help the, the priests, the Kohanim, in the holy temple. And the firstborns, but before that, before the golden calf, it was the firstborns, okay? Esau says, well, what do I need firstborn? What do I need firstborn? He, he, he was body-oriented. He couldn't understand, but it's, it's a useless asset. Like somebody says, what sells you something that you, you don't need. What's the expression selling an Eskimo a refrigerator? He doesn't need a refrigerator. He's got ice all around him. Esau, that body all around him. Jacob, wow, jumped on it. So this is Yaakov, Zachalab, Jacob earned the first right, but that's Reshit. Wow, Reshit is the beginning. What's the beginning? Uh, King Solomon tells us, not King Solomon, it's King David. King David tells us in Psalms, He tells us that the beginning of wisdom, we're talking about divine wisdom, and now Rabbi Nachman takes the beginning and connects it with the wisdom, and he brings a passage from from Psalms, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Almighty. Wow. Now, when a person has it, fear is not the right translation. I prefer awe. It's a fear of God, not fear of God. I'm not worried about the a bolt of lightning has come out and you know hit us on the head. We're not worried about that. But wow, we contemplate. We look at the wisdom and everything. We try and contemplate to the limits of our soul. We can understand about anything about Hashem, but we have to try. But the greatness of Hashem. You know, so right this moment, Hashem is making my heart beat. He's making your heart beat. Hashem is deciding what each one of us, uh, which souls are differentiating the, from the the chicken breasts we had for 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 dinner. Which soul is becoming a bit number two amino acids, part of part of protein chain, part of your muscle, and what's going to be waste going out the other end another 36 hours. It's, it's amazing. And down to every tiny detail, the way Hashem runs the world and, and macro and the way Hashem runs the world, the micro and every one of our lives, it's, it's mind-boggling. Okay, so this is uh, Jacob. He earned, as he earned the first right, he earned the chachma. He earned the divine wisdom because it's what he was looking for. And this is what Esau says when he told uh, he told uh, his father, uh, Jacob swindled me twice. Then his companion swindled me. 
Onkelos, in the translation, he doesn't say swindled. Jacob outsmarted me twice. He outsmarted me. This is Jacob. He outsmarted. Why did he outsmart Esau? Because they made a deal. The first deal, Jacob said he got the birthright. And he sold it to Esau for a meal. He made him a meal, fresh bread, and a bowl of lentils, and that's it. Sold the birthright. And that shows that that's it. That Esau, he, he made slight, he took the greatest the greatest present that Hashem could give a person, a privilege to serve Hashem double. And he disdained it. He disdained the, he disdained the birthright. The second time was when Jacob made a deal with Esau. He says, I'll take the next world. You can have this world. All right. And he said, you got it. So what did Jacob do? Why did he explain about the body and the soul, that the body is finite and the soul is not? Look what Esau did. But most people in the world, they're the Esau. They prefer their body. They have no connection to the soul. Oh, who's God? What's the prayer? What's this? What's moral? You know, you see this. You see this everywhere. You see that this is a battle going down. It's a, it's a, a, a cultural, spiritual battle going on in Israel right now. I don't have to talk about anybody else. We have in a, most of the big population, the people running the country. It, it's all body. It's all body. And that's why uh, that's why Israel's got enemies, because they're not doing what Hashem wants. And that's all. If Israel would do what Hashem wants, then uh, they wouldn't have enemies. But tomorrow morning, there'd be no Iran and no Hamas and no Hezbollah. Or else, or else, uh, Hezbollah and Hamas, they would be, they'd want to attach themselves and and, and do things for us and work with service. Service help us get close to Hashem. Okay. So this is an aspect of the sun. Now Rabbi Nachman takes this divine wisdom and he uses a metaphor. Okay. He compares it to the sun. Now what does Rabbi Nachman do? He takes the wisdom he's been talking about and he says the wisdom, that the divine wisdom, when you connect to the divine wisdom, which we learned last week is your life force and it's your soul and you let that shine within you. The more you connect with that, the more it illuminates. And guess what? It's like a light shining from your forehead, like a miner. He's in a dark mine. And he's got on his on his work or something, he's got, he's got this light. And it illuminates for him. It's like you have a light on your forehead and illuminates the path. It illuminates everything you do and every decision you make. When the more you have the divine wisdom, this divine wisdom is a light. So Rabbi Nachman says, guess what? That divine wisdom illuminates your life, it's like the sunshine. So Rabbi Nachman calls it the sunshine, and he compares this to all of creation as a metaphor, that the sunshine is a metaphor for, for divine wisdom. Why? Because the sunshine illuminates our way, and our divine wisdom that we have given in our souls, the more we let it shine, it also illuminates our way. And this is what King Solomon said in Proverbs, the Och Tzadikim, he says that the light of a righteous person is like the light of day where it begins at, at daybreak. It begins very small and it grows and it grows and it grows and it gets to noon. And you ever notice in, in early in the morning, you can't see too much detail. But the lighter, the brighter the light is, you see more detail in things, more detail, more detail. And this is what happens with the sunlight. The more the sun, the more the closer it is to noon, the more we see detail. The same thing goes with our divine wisdom. The more it illuminates us, the more we see detail in life, the more we have an insight in life, the more an understanding. Sometimes you see people and they say, where are these holy rabbis? Where do they get this wisdom? This is the wisdom Rabbi Nava is talking about because they're connected to their souls. And they see, they look at what's happening in the world, and they can see two and two is four. It's spiritual arithmetic. And it's not that they, they've got a power of prophecy. We don't have prophets today. But it's a matter of hooking into the divine wisdom. In other words, we see things happening in the world. These things happen in the world. And uh, something, we had a broadcast for, uh, it was a broadcast three weeks before the last Gaza war. We got a, a lot of bombs here. And on a broadcast, uh, the thing of people that participate in Munah, they remember, and I said, you know, it's really worried about it when there's so much infighting in Israel. There's one way that the Almighty doesn't like when his kids fight. And so he sends a, a, a few missiles from outside. So it gives us a little tiny war so we don't have time to fight with each other. We have to fight with the enemies. 
three weeks didn't pass, and boom, there it was. But this is not, it's not prophecy, and it's not, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And then this is, this is what's going to happen. This is when a person connects divine wisdom. He can, he can see these things. And that's why it's so ridiculous to listen to the news and to listen to the media and listen to other people that don't know what they're talking about. Because when they're talking about body and not talking about divine wisdom, you can't learn from them. You want to learn from people that uh, illuminate you, that illuminate your life and, and divine wisdom make you feel good, give you more insight, more understanding. Okay, so we continue on. and. Rebbe Nachman says that that wisdom is like the sun. We continue on in uh, Likutei Moran, and now uh, we come to the next passage. Rebbe Nachman compares this to the letter Chet. It's the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Chet. And he says, what's Chet? Chet is Chiyut. Vitality, the first letter of vitality is Chet. The first vitality of Chai, life, that Yud, that is Chai. Do you know where the word chai comes from? It's something everybody knows chai, you know, that the chai. Where's the chai come from? The chet is wisdom. Uh, excuse me, the chet is life. And the yud, that's chokhmah, that's wisdom. The yud is the first letter, that's wisdom. And, and Kabbalah said, wisdom and vitality together become life. This is a life. Life is wisdom. The person doesn't have wisdom, doesn't have divine wisdom. We said he's spiritually dead. So Rabbi Nachman says, this is Wow. He says that the vitality of everything that is the spiritual wisdom, the inherent wisdom that the Almighty puts in everything, that is a person's life force. That life force is the inherent wisdom. So if someone doesn't connect to his inherent wisdom that the Almighty gave him or gave her, is disconnected from their own soul, disconnected from their life source, and spiritually brain dead. This is a Rabbi Nachman's way. You see people that, look at a person that has a, an addiction. Okay, take a person that's got diabetes. There are diabetics that are addicted to alcohol. Alcohol is the worst thing a diabetic could do for himself. Yesterday, I spoke to a diabetic, had big problems, and I said, hey, my brother, you finished uh you finish with the vodka? No, nah, no, nah, Rabbi, I can't get rid of it. But it's killing you. It's killing you. No, nah, no, nah, that's the body. But it, you let your body, this is no good for you. You got it, your life force. This again, you're shortening your own life with your own hands. Somebody that's, that smokes cigarettes, shortening their own lives with their own hands. And people think that they could think some guy was trying to convince me that uh, that smoking weed was, it was, was spiritual. It's the exact opposite. Smoking weed is body. It doesn't do anything. It bends. What do you, why do they call these mind-bending substances? The, the King David says, uh, that the words of Hashem are straight. They get a straight message. Like if you take light, and light can go through a pipe. If you take a pipe and twist it, can't have light. So you're taking the brain, which is like a pipe of wisdom. It's a pipe of divine illumination and twisting it with substance. You can't. That's that's where people fool. This is the evil inclination. How the evil inclination fools people. Fools people that all types of things are spirituality. It is not spirituality. It's not. You can't get close to Shem by smoking. You can't get closer to Shem by substance. All right. So this is uh, Rabbi Nachman is telling us that this divine wisdom that is our vitality, that's our life force, and this is what Ecclesiastes says in chapter seven. And the wisdom will give you life. Wisdom will give you life. People say, well, I think it's a metaphor. No, this is, this is a life force. This is a life force. The more we strengthen the divine wisdom with, within us, the more we connect to it, the more we let it shine, then the more we give ourselves vitality. Uh, now, the warning. But, Since the light of divine wisdom, and that's our soul. It is so blinding, like Moses. How could Moses contain it? Moses got so much light because Moses nullified his body. This is what the Torah is telling us. Is, well, it's impossible. No, it's not impossible. Because the Almighty, Moses realized that his vitality 
was not from protein and carbohydrates. Down in our spiritual letters, yes, we need the protein. Yes, we need the carbohydrates. Yes, we need the vitamins. Yes, we need the exercise. Okay, that's down on our level. On Moses' level, his body was so sublime. His body was a chariot to the soul. He could go for 40 days and 40 nights, learning with the Almighty, connected to the Almighty, above time, above space. And as he purified himself so much, he got this divine illumination that was blinding. Uh, did you ever notice why Michelangelo made the statue of Moses with horns? That's why the anti-Semites used to think the Jews have horns. Why did Michelangelo put horns on Moses' head? Because the Vatican doesn't know how to translate Torah. This is why I always translate myself. I don't lose any, any person's translation. Okay, I always translate myself because you have to understand the Torah to translate it properly. The word for rays of light is karnaim. From karen is the single, karnaim is the plural. The word for horn is karen and karnaim. It's the same word, horns and rays of light are the same. But the Vatican didn't know how to translate the Torah. So in the Vatican Italian translation of the Torah, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with horns on his head. This is, shows how far they are from spirituality. You know, with all this, all their, uh, come on. <laughs> Did you ever ask yourself that that translation, uh, uh, you know, honorable Vatican, that your, your translation just, it's no good. Okay, back to the drawing board. And you see this all through, all through the, the, the translation. They don't even look at their translation because it contaminates the intellect, contaminates the mind. But this is why in all, the, all of society, the Jews have horns. Why? Michelangelo, Michelangelo. Michelangelo was brilliant. He was a brilliant artist and a brilliant scientist. And okay, but still, he went with this translation and Moses had horns. But Moses did not come down with horns, Mr. Michelangelo. Moses came down with this blinding rays of divine light. So this is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us, that this divine light, and guess what? If you would talk to Moses, okay, let's bring it down. I'll take down, give you a better example. Have you ever looked into your electric system? How does the electricity come from the power station to your house? It goes through a series of transformers and relay stations and circuit breakers, and you've got this uh, of the electricity pole, another circuit breaker, and then you have a circuit breaker in your house, Brings it down, brings it down, brings it down, brings it down. This is the exact way that the Almighty, come, this is the 10 spheres and the world. The Almighty has to all these circuit breakers because if he would give us a zap of divine light, finish. That our souls would right away leave to cling to the divine light. Just I mentioned that the match, the little flame, the candle nullifies itself to the flame. Okay, so we can't get too much to keep us alive the Almighty has to give each one of us our dose, but we can purify ourselves more and more and more and make ourselves a stronger spiritual vessel. This is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. Rabbi Nachman is saying we cannot merit a full dose of divine light without the letter nun. Without the letter nun, this is con contrary, this is correspond to the letter N in English, nun, okay, N-U-N. Letter Nun in Kabbalah is kingship, Malchut. And the letter Nun, we're going to explain what Malchut. We said Chochmah, that's the highest, that's the highest of the ten spheres. Malchut, kingship, is the lowest of the ten spheres, talking about the ten spheres in Kabbalah. And the King David said in the Psalms, in Psalm 72, that in other words, the direct translation would be that. The king should rule as long as the sun, but Rabbi Nachman used the inner translation. There's an inner translation that in order for the sun to give its light, it needs a vessel. The sun is Shemesh, and it needs a vessel, Nun, and this indicates the Malchut, that this Malchut has no light of its own, this kingship, no light of its own. It gets the light of wisdom, and it's an empty vessel. In order to receive the highest spheres, it receives from the spheres on top of it. The 10 spheres, they filter down from Chochmah to Bina, to Chesed, to Gvura, to Feret, Netzachod, Yesod, and it comes down to the Malchut, and it comes down, and then this receives the light. But the Malchut has to be a worthy vessel, a worthy clean vessel, a clean vessel to receive this divine light. You will not take 
if you go and buy yourself a very fancy bottle of wine for Shabbat, okay, you will not take a dirty glass and pour that fine wine in dirty glass. The Almighty doesn't do that either. We have to prepare a vessel. And this is what Rabbi Nachman is teaching us. After prepare this vessel, now, since the wisdom corresponds to the highest sphere of godliness, which is wisdom, we say that there is one higher, and that is the crown, the keter, but we don't even have any idea of that. We're not talking about that now. We're talking about the 10 spheres. The highest of the 10 spheres is Chochmah, that's wisdom. And to get this light filtered down to where we are, that's Malchut, where the Chochmah corresponds to the letter Chet. And we're down here at Nun. Okay, so when we make our letter Nun stronger, our vessel, a spiritual vessel stronger, it gets the Chet. And Rabbi Nachman tells us, that the Chet and Nun will come together. We'll see what happens in a moment. And this is something. Okay. So the, and now Rabbi Nachman tells another metaphor. It says that uh, that Nun, the Malchut, if the Chochmah corresponds to the sun, then down here, Malchut, she doesn't have any light of her own. She corresponds to the moon. Now we have the sun and a moon relationship. This is a theme all through Kabbalah. We said in the very first lesson, Rabbi Nachman's lessons are deeply first in Kabbalah. Uh, I try my best. Please call me down if I'm being too complicated or, or something like that. Please, with the questions, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. We're learning together. But I'm trying to keep this as eye level and as clear as possible. But it's difficult because they're very deep, 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 deep concepts. Okay. But now we have this relationship between the highest sphere of godliness. And the lowest sphere, which is down by us, but it's a vessel that enables us to receive the godliness, just like we have a circuit breaker on our wall inside the house to receive that light that comes from the power station. But we certainly could not have that direct light from the power station zapped into the house or it would explode. It has to be filtered down. These are the 10 spheres of godliness. The 10 spheres of godliness that people don't understand that they what the there's different aspects of God. No, it's all the same thing. It's electricity. Imagine electricity. Electricity is electricity, whether it's at the power station or whether it's in your, your socket. It's the same electricity. But here the electricity is, is a, a zillion watts, and in your socket it's 250 watts or 24 volt. This is how it's, it's filtered down. And this is exactly what we're doing with the soul. So we can understand that electricity, it's all a metaphor. Everything in life. Cherish brothers and sisters. Everything in life is a metaphor to get close to God. Now we are looking at the divine wisdom. Didn't plan this. The Almighty gave this to us. We are looking at divine wisdom, but still electricity. Divine wisdom is a circuit breaker. Now understand how our way we receive electricity into our home is the same way our souls receive divine light. Bound through, from for these spears. It, it, it's a different thing. The the power station and down to local station to circuit breaker, the 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 relay and the the wall, boom, 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 that down to to our own house to the wire that comes from the the electricity pole down to our own house. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman now says that this is comparable to the letter of Nun. We have the sun, which is comparable to wisdom. That's the letter Chet. And we have the moon that is comparable to the letter nun, which is malchut. And down here at this level, there is no independent light, just like the moon does not have any independent light. The moon shines only because the light gets the sun. This is a metaphor. This is the divine wisdom in the sun and the moon. And this is so very deep. This is the way that man is created like the sun. Women are created like the moon. When we learned the bond of Amuna on Amuna hour, we learned how the relationship between a male half of a soul and a female half of a soul is just like the relationship between the sun and the moon. So once a guy comes to me and he says, uh, uh, he's complaining about his wife, she doesn't fulfill my needs. I said, Fill, fulfill your needs. You're talking like a, a female. You can't have two females in a marriage. You know, you have to have a, a man. Well, what do you mean, Rabbi? He says, you have, you're the sun. She's the moon. She can't do anything for you unless you give her light. You have to give her light. What's light? A smile, bring up your salary. Did I say for this? Is and once you do now, let me taste you see in nature. We'll learn some more divine wisdom. We'll say, wait a second, that's not fair. That the moon has no light on her own, 
And that just from the sun, oh, but look what the Almighty did. If you learn agriculture, you could learn that in Scotland or in Northern Ontario, you can have artificial light hothouses and you can raise tomatoes. You can raise tomatoes in Scotland. Well, so up, up, up there in Scotland, yeah, you have enough light, you have heat. At each generation, you can raise tomatoes. There's one thing you can't raise in Scotland in a hat house, in a greenhouse, or in northern Montana, or in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can't raise in a hat house watermelon or cantaloupes. You know why? Because they grow to a light of the moon. They have to be in an open field. Okay, so you can't grow them in the winter. You have to grow them in a proper climate in the summer. Because we see the fact that these particular, the cucurbit family, which are the gourds and the watermelon and the cantaloupes and the melons, they grow according to the light of the moon. If you take moonlight away from them, that they grow in a, in a place where they can't have moonlight, they're not going to grow. They're not going to develop properly. So we see in one example of how the moon does wonderful things with the light it gets from the sun. Okay. And this is what Rabbi Nachman tells us. That the moon has no independent light, has the light that it gets from the sun. And that is the aspect of Malchut. Rabbi Nachman says that's the aspect, that's the metaphor of Malchut. It doesn't have independent light, but is capable of shining beautifully. Just like you're on a moonlit night, it's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's, it's so romantic. It's, it's a, good, a moonlit night. And something else, the Gemara tells us that there are certain things we're not to look at. We're not supposed to look at a rainbow, stare at, you can see a rainbow, okay, but if we see a rainbow, we make a blessing, and we're not supposed to stare at the moon, because the Gemara tells us that the rainbow, that's the divine covenant, we're looking at, at we're looking at the, the divine presence, and the light of the moon, that's also divine, and see, that's divine wisdom, that's looking right at it. And says it's better not to look at the light of the moon. So uh, uh, Torah observant people, we will see the moon and we'll make a blessing on the new moon. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll look new moon because you have to see the new moon clearly and make a blessing. You do the same blessing, but then we'll stare at the moon, you know, be a moon gazer. No, we don't gaze at the moon and we don't gaze at rainbows because that is a metaphor of the divine presence. And this is exactly what Rabbi Nachman is telling us right here, that this is malchut. Malchut and Kabbalah, it is the lower sphere, but Malchut is something else. Why does she not have any light of her own? She gets light from Chofam, the highest sphere, because it's her job to bring the divine light down to this world. When we connect to the divine light, we connect by way of the Malchut. Okay, guess what else is Malchut? There's a lot of things you can learn. I can't resist. I got to give it to you now. Uh, Guess where Amuna comes from? Malchut. Amuna has no light of its own. Amuna has to plug into the divine wisdom. And that's why we teach that everything comes from the Almighty. And who's the Almighty that everything comes from him? That's our beloved Father in heaven. And if everything comes from him, and beloved Father in heaven, that means he's going to do everything for the best. And it's all good. It's all good. Once that, that is really connecting to the Malchut, once you connect to those three facts, you connect to the Malchut, you're connecting to the divine presence, and that's your amuna. You connect to amuna, and once your amuna shines in you, then the divine light is shining with you, and you become illuminated. You become illuminated. You come close to Hashem. And Rabbi Nachman says that This is the aspect of wisdom. Once that wisdom shines down in us, down here below in Malchut, now we're connected to the wisdom. Because wisdom is able to shine, but we can't connect to wisdom if we don't have that vessel. And the vessel is the malchut. The vessel is the amuna. The vessel gives that amuna, it builds the vessel that enables us to contain divine light. Make them understand why it's all the time amuna and amuna and amuna and amuna. It's getting close to Hashem. That I'm not interested in, in teaching intellectual exercises. And there are plenty of rabbis that teach rabbinical law. And that this will teach everything emuna, emuna, emuna. Because my mission, my ball game, is to help people with me, the guy to field, bring myself and first of all myself and to all of us together to get closer to Hashem. 
<laughs> everything. If the day Rabbi Nachman said, if there's a day where he couldn't get closer to Hashem, not worth living. Ask myself the same thing. What's what what's worth a living day? We can't go close to Hashem. What it means I'm I'm an Esau, I want to be a Jacob. I want to be a Jacob. Okay, so this is uh once we connect to that light, now we can understand that what our sages said, Nesa or Chochma. Well, we can't do the light, then the light of the moon is capable to be as bright as the light of the sun. This is what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. Everybody in our group, everybody in our group learning together. When Mashiach comes, okay, he's going to look down the list. Let's see who participated in the torch lesson. Guess what? All of you are going to be tremendous heads of seminar because what you're learning now will become not common knowledge when Mashiach comes. That the whole world is far from that. And how are they going to learn that? People that are learning that now, they're going to learn it then. Okay. So hold on. You got a good future. People don't know. Okay. Nobody's going to give you uh, a 10,000 quid check for participating in tonight's lesson. Okay. No check in the mail. But wow. Uh, You cannot understand what is awaiting you. It is something that, well, what's waiting? Okay. And so next week, we're going to continue on. Okay, what happens? Now we go to the goodies of what happens to somebody that connects to the divine light. And then next week, we will begin what, what happens on, on the, the flip side of the coin with uh, the people that don't connect to it. Okay, we got a few minutes, can answer some questions. Okay, until people ask, if nobody that put people pass, it's chef to know everybody on the list. Right, look at everybody and see that participating. You're all of my prayers, all my blessings for everything abundant and material and spiritual abundance and health and wealth and divine light and, and happiness. And this also goes for everyone that sees the replay of the lesson. And well, Hashem, we should be able to uh, apply it in our lives to get closer to Hashem and to feel good about ourselves and about everyone around us. Rabbi Arya Wolby, wish you and Torch and the Wolby family every blessing. Miss you and hope to see you soon. Look forward. God bless and everyone have a wonderful Shabbat and a terrific week. God bless.